We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining me for this episode is David Garcia. David is the Director of Coaching for Colorado Rapids, U9 through to U12. Originally from New York, he spent a little bit of time in Spain, worked in Tovo Academy with Todd Bean, UEFA A license, really unique journey, does a lot of great stuff on social media as well. Really passionate about the way the game should be played, so I want to get him on and talk about positional play and a possession-based system at the youth level, how to implement it from day one, especially with pre-season coming up. So really interested to get your thoughts on this as coaches, at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. Really appreciate the support. Here is David. Enjoy. David, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Really excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, Gary. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure. I'm I'm a listener myself, so I'm, I'm excited to be here. The topic that I wanted to, to go in was implementing a positional play possession model at the youth level. I know we have a lot of youth coaches that listen. And sometimes we get into these conversations and in the elite side of the game that's probably more directed towards senior soccer and college soccer. But a lot of the the the, the values and principles apply to youth levels. So I want to try and connect the dots in some of these here. So particularly with preseason starting soon and youth coaches, as a massive proponent of the of that style of the game, a positional play and a possession system. What should preseason at the youth level look like? What should it not look like? Um, I guess the first question for you is what what are we considering youth? Because mm. um, I think at certain age groups, there's things that you need to focus on and, and past a certain age group, I think you can focus on other things. For example, um, I think towards the older age groups, um, you know, working on the training loads and making sure that they are, you know, ready for the season as far as uh, physically. I think that's important to consider. However, I think for the younger, uh, in a, I mean, could be from U9 to maybe U13, U14, where I think that, that isn't so much the case. Um, it, it, I think that sort of dictates also what kind of preseason you're looking at. So let's go, let's just randomly call out U9 level and you have them, say you've got them coming back on their their last couple of weeks of their vacation. So you've got a little mini preseason camp, maybe five nights training, and then they'll kick into maybe a preseason tournament where they go somewhere and then maybe two, three nights a week training. So what, what do you think that should look like? I think, honestly, especially at those younger ages, the most important thing is creating good training habits. Um, it's creating players who come to practice, and when you start practice, they can be focused for the time that you are in practice and, and training. Um, I think that's not an easy thing to do, especially at the younger age groups, because you know, cognitively they, they don't have the attention span of 
of some of those older age groups, and that's something that they need to work on, just like any other skill that they they need to practice on the field. And is is can they stay engaged and stay focused? And and I think that goes you know right into the positional play is there is a the cognitive side and the mental side of positional play requires a lot of thinking. Therefore, it, it, you can't have players checking out in the middle of the game, or or you're you're gonna see you know you, you, the structure might not be the one that you want. So, I think in, the most important thing with with uh, the younger age groups is making sure that the practices that you start the season with and and how those how those are run and and how what the coach brings to those practice and 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 sort of setting the tone for for what is expected and and what is allowed in practice obviously we still want them to have fun so i'm not saying you go in there like a drill sergeant right but you do have certain levels of of uh of respect for the training environment and and, and they they should learn that from the beginning. I think that's really important to start the preseason with. Um, additionally, I think teaching younger players how to be competitive and how to win, how to lose, um, how to fight for in a game and, 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 and to, you know, all the things that, that, that we talk about that sport can bring um, can give players is learning how to compete. Um, and I think that's, especially later on, if they have good competitive nature, that they understand that when they work hard and focus and um, and are engaged throughout the practice, that tends to lead to positive results. Obviously, at that age group, it, the results aren't as important, but as they continue growing and, and they'll see that those things correlate. Um, so, like I said, creating good habits and setting the tone for the season, I think, is absolutely crucial, um, especially at that age group. Yeah, this is interesting because I would have said that well, from from your work and your journey, mm -hmm. uh, you would have said that, you know, there, there would be certain principles and, and as well as some – do we overlook the fact that intensity and training and competition are still vital components of a training system and try to look for the better goal than the tactical analysis piece a little bit too early, do you think? In my opinion, you can't have the other things without having good training habits. And you can't have, um, you can't go into, for example, and I know we'll probably talk about this later on, but, um, in rondos, you know, if you, I mean, surely you've noticed when you when you give that type of exercise to a younger age group, they don't quite see how it is competitive and how it can be. And if the the defender or two defenders inside the rondo aren't trying to win the ball back, then there's nothing that we can do as far as our attacking principles because the defenders aren't playing in a game realistic way. So I think the the starting point is making sure that that players are young players are learning how how to compete in the game and 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 sort of 
we're instilling that drive in them to want the ball and to do everything they can to get the ball because later on that will make practices much easier. I'm sure you've seen practices where where the group is, you know, maybe they're 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 a bit slow or a bit down, and and you the the coach is the one that has to 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 to, be, to bring the energy to practice, and and I think if yeah, from time to time that will happen. However, if they have that competitive drive to want to win every single activity and every single exercise that you put in front of them, that will make practices and and getting what you want out of the practices and in training much easier later on so i think for me yes obviously we need to start working on on for example perception when they're younger and making sure that they're looking for space i think that's the most important thing when they are younger however without that competitive nature training is much more difficult and I think for the players and for the coach. Mm. I like that because what you're saying there is basically, you know, for the Ron was a fantastic teaching tool. Like this is one of my questions, but mm-hmm. sometimes it can be too easy, too mundane. I mean, I've I've watched youth training sessions where I actually would rather them run around a field where it looks as if they're actually doing something by standing in a box passing. So that's one of the ways then of building your culture or building your environment to actually, because we do have to teach that now, don't we? We do have to teach competition at youth levels. I think so. I think, I mean, I've worked with enough young players to see that the ones that typically uh, tend to excel later on are the ones that are most competitive. And I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, that that's the case. And I think just like any other, um, skill that is something that can be learned and and i think with the right training environment and and with the right energy from the coach when they're younger they can hopefully we can bring out that that competitive nature um and and like i said and like you just said when when you have competitive players any exercise you give them whether it's a rondo whether it's a 3v3 whether it's a 1v1 um, whether they're playing some sort of positional game, it it makes it so much more fun, so much easier to get coaching points out when everybody is competing to their their maximum level, and they then they want to win and they want to succeed. And I think you know that's uh, that's I know you, we were going to talk about rounders, but I think it's it's hard. And it can be mundane if if players don't want to excel in every exercise, and especially in rondos. Um, So, you know, that that competitive nature from early on, creating that culture is, I think it's crucial. It's crucial. Mm. A barrier, perhaps, to coaching a positional play system or a possession system Mm -hmm. that that I would believe that you definitely get this online. I've, I've, I've heard this from quite a number of coaches who are resistant to implementing it really early on is, you know, we can't move into the possession system until our players can master the basics. So we're going to spend eight weeks passing the ball back and forth. But obviously then they overlook context, game understanding, any form of decision-making variables, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, what, what, are, what are the ways that they can do both? How can a young coach at the U10, U12, whatever level, uh, get them into a possession system and master the basics and look into decision-making and, and context, etc.? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So my first question would be, how do we define basics, right? Because, you know, there's, I think, basics, uh, as, as I've come to understand, you know, is how people have defined it to me, is being able to pass or dribble the ball without any opposition. However, I don't, I don't think we need to take away opposition in order to, to master the basics. I think you can give, you can still have an element of decision making. Um, you can have more time and space. You can create activities that give them more time and space. So, yes, maybe there's still an opposition, but maybe it's in, in a larger space where they have more time. To be able to process what they are, what they want to achieve in that exercise. So, for example, let's take a passing game, and um, and for example, we'll do uh, one we do one I do with our, our younger groups to to focus on passing, and and in my opinion, gets the basics as well as the, the cognitive side as well as decision making. Um, it's basically the you have two. Two sides, two areas, and you have a four v four, and the coach plays into one of the teams on on one side of the the groups into a, a group of four, and the other team has to send. Let's just say to start one player, they have to send one player, and that player has to go try to win the ball and then pass it back to the team. Very common game, right? Um, in that exercise, we are still working on the basics. Um, if a player is struggling with how they pass the ball, then a simple in the game pointer to them, or even like, you know, take take a minute or two between reps of the exercise and, and just make sure that everybody understands that we're trying to use the inside of our foot to pass the ball. Um, we're trying to make sure that our plant foot is next to the ball. So you give them the basics. And you still give them some form of of opposition decision making. They still have to be aware of where the defender is. Um, you can make it bigger, which will give them more time to to, to execute the pass um, and to receive a ball. Um, and from there, you know, you 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 build on how how they're progressing in in the, in, in not only the 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 technical side of it, but also the um, the perceptual side and, and the decision making and and everything, and, and you can make the spaces tighter when you start to see this way too easy for them. And I think that is how how you can do, you know, and, and you can you can do that with dribbling, you can do that with finishing, you can you can do it with anything. Still make it game like, but give them more time, which by giving them more space. That's my approach to it, and I, and I know it is an ongoing debate. I have, you know, for especially for really beginner players who who sh perhaps you have one player who is not as far along as the rest of the group. Yeah, perhaps you have to take them aside and and give them unopposed 
repetitions of a certain exercise or a certain skill. That I think is okay because as as a group, maybe if they're further along than that one player, so you have to help them close the gap because um, otherwise, you know, we've all seen it where it can bring uh, bring an exercise down or or perhaps even, you know, knock the confidence of that one player. So, you know, I, I think in that circumstance, it's absolutely fine. Um, but however, when as a group, everyone is along the same development, I think there's nothing wrong with 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 opposed training that is specific to uh, a technical skill. Yeah, on the same lines then with uh, with trying to challenge the players tactically and you know, for a coach to have in their heads the the why of every exercise and how it relates to the game. The young player has not possibly developed a soccer brain or soccer IQ at that stage to see those pictures or have experience mm-hmm. of those pictures. So how does a coach then paint those pictures or educate players tactically without standing lecturing or, or confusing them? I'd say, you know, my my approach is when you give them, when you understand the the game, the game of football from its principles and, and the the most basic thing, I guess that I I always start with younger players is the most important thing we try to look for on the field is space, right? So how how can we build on that? on the idea of finding space. So for the youngest player just starting out, you just say, we're just, if you're in space, if you're dribbling in space, keep dribbling in space. When a defender comes towards you, then you find a teammate who is now in space. That's the the first concept that we can teach them, space, finding space. And they, obviously they, this this requires not only being able to move the ball and, and being able to to dribble past, but it also requires them to to be able to do that all with their head up and, and to be aware of what's going on. Um, so, to me, starting the the building blocks tactically, then you know you move on from there, um, and say there's different ways of finding space. So as you as you grow, you know, as they develop and they and they get older, maybe you start talking about. Um, a third player who isn't involved in the play but perhaps can get into space within a pass or two. So, you know, the concept of a third man. So having them recognize themselves as 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 a player who's not involved in the play at the moment. However, if uh, our center mid finds or is able to to get the ball from our center back and then play it into myself or the, the, this third man, then that's another concept, but it's the same thing. It's still working on finding space. Um, and I think you just keep building on from there. And But I, I think what's most important is understanding what's the, the root principle that we're trying, that we're starting from. And from there, I think every coach can sort of logically get to the tactics that we see at the highest level and how they still apply and, and, and how that same principle of space still applies at that level. Basically, at, at the young level, it may be just, sure, it might be dribbling towards more space, but 
as that progresses then to U14, U15, U16, the solution might be a manipulation of numbers in a certain area or a tactical construct in their own system. Exactly, so yeah. Level, as the level improves, the number of solutions should become a little bit more complex. Exactly, and I think as the level improves, what the opponent is is doing to prevent you from finding space is also improving. Therefore, we have to do other things to try to find that space. And like you said, you know, maybe that is uh, an overload on one side of the pitch and try to find our our free man on the other side of the pitch. Or perhaps it's um, as simple as, um, you know, just positioning yourselves between lines. That's another way to find space. Um, perhaps it's even making a run um, so that you don't get the ball, but your teammate gets the ball. And I think those are all concepts that, at, at the end of the day, are ways to find space. And whether you create it or you're the one exploiting it, that is, as a, as a collective, as a team, we're trying to do that. And, and ideally, we try to do that in the final third, which then you know, leads into good scoring opportunities. So, yeah, as you've summed it up, yeah, I think that's it. the way that I see it, and 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 how you can how you can teach that is first of all you have to understand what your players are capable of and where they are along that. If you know, if you see that that they easily understand that dribble into space, and then some. I'm no longer in space because the defender stepped up to me. Um, I, I brought a defender in, so now one of my teammates is in space. Then that's easy. Then we start moving on. And, and I think the important thing is that you understand where they are on their tactical understanding and, and what you can give them next. Reading one of your tweets, you said learning requires experimentation, freedom, space, errors, reflection, willingness, setbacks. Are your players learning? I wanted to ask you, what are some ways that we can present things like the setbacks and errors in our environment without promoting a, a negative message to our players? Sure. I think by nature, the game, obviously, there's going to be a, a, a winner and a loser. And I think that that alone, and like I, I think this all goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, is that competitive nature the the game will provide and i think we can all agree that the greatest setback is is losing a match or losing something right and I, and i think how they deal with that and and possibly creating an environment where there is a a chance that they aren't going to succeed and that's not something that's um malevolent on our part but that's the nature of the game is, is that someone is going to win or lose. Um, you, at times, you're going to succeed in whatever, beating your, the, the player in front of you in a 1v1, or perhaps defensively you've got beat, so now that is sort of a setback. I think all those little battles within a big game are, I think I consider them as setbacks. And when they start piling up and, and we have several errors and several setbacks, then that leads to losing whatever it is you're playing, whether it's the game or whether it's an activity or, 
or uh, you know some sort of training game. And I think teaching players how to respond after that, and 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 maybe I phrase that wrong. Not teaching players, having them learn how to respond after that. And we do that by, you know, I see it a lot with younger players. They don't know how to react to losing. And they have to try to internalize it as a positive thing, as as a, there's another opportunity. And I I remember I had a a coach that I worked with in Spain, and he would say, football is like waves. And you get – wave after wave waves being the opportunities that you you can you know try try yourself and 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 try to to improve you get wave after wave of opportunities so you just have to wait for the next wave and when it does come you get back on and and you do your best with it um so i think having them you know learn how to how to respond after whatever setback they face and, and like I said before could be something within the game is how they're going to start to internalize that that feeling of of uh, of, of, of losing of uh, of not not doing your your best and are they gonna respond by trying it again or are they gonna shut down and 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 go inside and, and and not want to try again, so I think that's our place to guide them along. But and like I said, I, I don't like the word teach because that that implies that I know how to do it, and I'm just telling them how to do it. I I'd rather use for them to to learn how to do that and how to how to respond to, from those setbacks. I think that's you know that's the approach I use in it. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But it, you know, I I think that that's a good way to go about it. Uh, coaches who are looking to play because this is another one I've spoke to quite a few youth coaches who have dealt with this here and want to play a possessional game. But you know, there's parents on the sideline who are not only yelling about results, but now they're yelling about little Johnny or little Susie to launch it and kick it long, and it seems to be a problem nationwide mm-hmm. here. Uh, what are some ways coaches can work around this? Right. Yeah, I think it is. Like you said, it is a problem. Um, and I think that comes with educating parents as well. Because perhaps, and and I don't think, I well, I know parents aren't doing it to be the the bad guy, right? They genuinely think that is the best way to go about it. Otherwise, they wouldn't say it. They want what's best for their son or daughter, which means what's best for their team. Um, so I think the first step is is having, having an education for parents, whether that's a formal education and you have meetings, you know, you, ha- you have a parent meeting maybe once a month and, and you talk about um, you you show them the, the game model that you're using, whether your club's using it or your team using it, and and say we're gonna we're trying to play this way and there's gonna be tons of questions and 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 i know that because i've i've done it and there's gonna be some confusion and there's gonna be some disagreement but you said we believe as a club or as a team or or whatever it is 
that this is the best way and this is the way that, that your children are going to learn the most. Um, and from there, you know, you, you, you slowly start to, to in, in a sense, make them an assistant coach of yours. Because at the end of the day, the contact time that you have with the players is a lot less than the contact time that the parent has with their son or daughter. And if you are saying one thing at practice and then they get in the car and they're telling their son or daughter something completely different, one, it's very confusing for the player. And two, it's it's gonna be it's gonna result in in, in the player not knowing what to do. And um, so I think having having those conversations with parents and 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 educating them is probably, in my opinion, the first step. Um, from there, you know, in my experience, I have had some some parents who have disagreed with the way that 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 the club is going about the game model and 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 style of play, whatever. Um, and in those cases, you know, there, there's. In my opinion, there's only a certain point that you can try to convince someone or try to bring someone on the same side. And and if it comes to that, you say, you know, this is this is the model that we're you know, we're gambling on, we're betting on, and, and we believe that it's it's a it's a good philosophy for them to, to understand the game to its at the highest level. Um, if that's not something that you are interested in. Perhaps this isn't the place for, for, for your son or daughter, and I think those are different, the most difficult conversations. But at the end of the day, I think in the long run, that player will benefit if the parent is on board with whatever is done. So whether that's maybe that's not on our team or in our club, but that, in my opinion, that's me looking out for that player because those parents need to be on board with what we're doing. Getting them on board is yeah. a big, big, yeah, it's a big part of the challenge as well. Um, I had uh, one of the local coaches here, Teddy, who coaches at, at Chicago Empire, or is working towards a, a similar model of, you know, a, a real expansive, attractive brand of soccer with the, with his youth teams. I was asking him before, I was texting him, telling him I was going to speak to you, what, what questions does he have for you? He said, how do you balance and teach adaptability and flexibility when implementing positional play with your teams? I think we go back to the first part is the principles, right? So the principle, again, and I, and I think positional play is is all on on space and how do we manage space? How do we manage individually and how do we manage it as a team? Perhaps in certain games or certain scenarios, the opposition is is forcing us into uncomfortable situations which maybe requires not having possession. And perhaps that means maybe playing more counterattack and and that, if we go back to the the original principle, space, well, in that case, the space we've recognized is in behind rather than 
than us trying to to manage the game or or to manage the space in in their half or trying to get it away from our goal. Um, so I think when you, if you're trying to to make sure that the players can be adaptable and flexible in the style of play, you have to make sure that they understand why why we're doing certain things or why the team is doing certain things from with the, with the starting point being the principle, right? Um, and and from there, if a different scenario comes up, you can always say, okay, normally we do this. However, in this case, X, Y, and Z is happening, so we can't do this now. Let's go back to what we always try to do, and we try to find a space. How, where's the space now? And hopefully, you know, if if those ideas and concepts are instilled deep enough and they, they internalize them, then they'll, the, that flexibility, they'll start to have that mental flexibility to say, okay, well, it's, it's in behind or, or maybe whatever the scenario is. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the way that I've always approached it um, is having having players who hopefully are understanding the the principles and and from there their their game intelligence increases because now i think that in my opinion that's the, the true measure of intelligence is well if i have to dictate what is done the coach i mean then i don't think our players are intelligent if they're able to recognize scenarios and adapt, I think that is the measure of true intelligence, is understanding and recognizing this scenario requires this solution. Last two for you, and probably coming off your personal journey then, and, and it's a very, you have a very unique journey in your coaching career because I've had so many coaches on here that have kind of done the other way around, that have come from Europe to the United States and brought something. You've gone the other way, gone from the US and spent time in Spain and, and getting your UEFA A over there as well. And I was keen to ask you, what, how have you grown as a coach and, and what did that experience, how did that change you or mold you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because I think I'm probably not done learning or, 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 or being molded, uh, as you phrased it. Um, but, yeah, I guess... Growing up in the U.S., um, I think I had a lot of probably traditional coaches. Um, I grew up in upstate New York and, and played in uh, in Rochester, New York, if people are familiar with that area. Growing up, that was the football that I went to go see and and watching. Uh, I remember I have this book and I had all, I just found it recently. All the signatures from those old '90s Rhinos players. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the area that I grew up in, and and it's not like it wasn't a big football area, a big soccer area. So, you know, the the coaches that we had, I think, you know, did the best that they could. I, I don't fault them at all, and I think a lot of times those coaches do what their coaches did, and those coaches do what their coaches did. So that sort of lineage, as far as uh, coaching, doesn't ever really change. Um, so, you know. My my background growing up wasn't the greatest uh, 
training environment, coaching environment. Um, however, I, you know, uh, my, my father obviously was one of my coaches growing up and, and he, he decided to go off to Spain and he met these Spanish guys and, and they started doing these summer camps in Rochester, New York. And, uh, and when I met these guys, it, it, it was almost like somebody pulled back the curtains on something I hadn't ever thought about. Because at that time, I was just starting coaching. I was a graduate assistant at, at a university in upstate New York. Um, I was coaching youth. And then the way when these guys came in, these, these Spanish coaches, I was like, I'm missing something. You know, it was one of those moments you're like, there's way more and I need to find out more. Um, so over the course of you know some months and years, I I ended up over there and and quite honestly, it's one of those things where you think back on on the sessions that I used to do and and sort of my thinking, and it's hard to to do like a before and after because obviously I'm the same person, so I you know it's difficult to do, but I I have found old practices that I used to do, and I wouldn't but. It, ever do them now um, and I think it's it's the that, that philosophy of of um, I think in Spain they in in their culture and also in their football everything is connected right so everything has a, a consequence to every action has a consequence um, and in football the same thing is you can't train isolated parts and then put it all together and have it be the game and I think that's how they train and that's you know that's sort of what I saw uh, in it in doing the UEFA courses and then also you know when I got in contact with Todd Bean and then doing uh, working for Tovo for a year um, it's it was the same philosophy from the moment that I arrived in Spain because I also played in Spain for a year or two when I first arrived and I was younger <laughs> Um, and that sort of same philosophy is carried through. And perhaps it's just the way that you create habits, right? And my, my habit of how I coached started to be that. And because I was seeing it everywhere and, and I started to, to use it and I, and, and, you know, selfishly, I enjoyed coaching that way more because I thought it was, it was more, um, more personal the way that, that, they coached and the way that they uh, approached training. Um, so now coming back, I'm. I think sometimes um, I f I forget that the players that I that I have now here in, in in the U.S. have never maybe haven't done sort of some of these um, activities and some of these exercises and what I'm asking them to do and to think and to they're uncomfortable with and you know I'll be honest sometimes I get a little bit frustrated but it's part of the learning process for them and for me um, and then you know now that I am back I, I I'm hoping to to help um, and not I'm not saying that the, the, the way that I learned out in Spain is, is the only way or the best way or whatever it is it's a way that I enjoy and, and my my goal is to Maybe there's somebody else like me who, who uh, will find this this methodology inter in 
entertaining and interacting with in this way to be to be a better way and in a, in a more in, enjoyable way to coach yeah that's that's my last one for you funny just to, to wrap it up and move in that direction would be you know you've you've spent uh two years over there or, or longer um and you've you've had full time you know you've done your coach education over there you've played over there you've worked in full-time soccer over there so for the coach you know that type of soccer has has so many thousands of coaches over here gravitate towards or are intrigued and love the spanish methodology and the style of soccer but maybe aren't in a position to take those you know take two or three years move the whole family over there what what's the best way for them to learn experience it is it through is it through club trips is it just to take weeks over by themselves is it the courses over there what, what would you advise those coaches to do yeah um obviously i was fortunate enough to to be at a stage in my life where i could just get up and leave and, and but i i completely understand that that that's not the case for probably most people um so i think just like i think in, in life as well i think just traveling and seeing firsthand what the the culture and, and this could be football culture as well seeing firsthand makes a huge impact and it and i don't think it needs to be years and years and doing your i think just just a, a, a holiday or vacation in in a country that you enjoy and and maybe even what i found is when you reach out to, to people when you're traveling, um, especially I think in the, in the community of, of football, people tend to, to respond well and they respond positively and they'll invite you to come to practice and they'll have a chat with you. And, and I think that's, well, one, I think that's the, the beauty of the sport is it brings us all together. But, but two, there's a, there's a big learning opportunity there. Um, so I think that that's, probably my my suggestion for for people is it doesn't have to be years and years it can be you know a week in in whatever country and 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 there's tons of um i know there's tons of courses that that are offered in in well i know in spain just from first-hand experience um but i'm sure in other countries as well where you go and you do your courses and it's sort of tourism with football and and honestly is there anything better than that <laughs> um so i think just you know reaching out or you know quick google search of, of some courses and and obviously i i can help out in whatever way i can people can reach out to me and I, i'll give my the my recommendations for the courses that i've seen in spain that aren't two years or you know maybe it's just a week course and and i'll help out in whatever way i can as well um but i think my my suggestion is go to, go to these places that you want to go to and reach out to people an email a phone call and i guarantee that someone will will respond positively and they'll um hopefully you, you can connect with with people abroad brilliant brilliant David, thank you so much. Great way to finish it. Um, I, we we done a little bit of a promotion last week for the event in uh, in Texas coming up, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of coaches excited to uh, to see you present there and hopefully connect with you. But 
appreciate all the work you do in the coaching community and it was uh, was brilliant to have you on the show no thanks for having me gary it's uh it, yeah it's always a pleasure well obviously uh, I, like i said listen, i'm a listener as well so brilliant. um so yeah thanks so much to david for his time and his insight there i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did uh really insightful for me really interesting for me because like i said at the start uh, i don't work in youth soccer i don't work in that area I'm really really fascinated by just how the the almost the tacticalization if that's even a word of of football and coaching has imp- has impacted the young age group and i think to a detriment a lot of times and as i said to david there at the start i go to some places i observe sessions i see stuff online and i look at it and think if I was a young player, I wouldn't enjoy that. Yes, that's a tactical, does this, is it game realistic in terms of working with the 9 and the 7, the 11 and the 10, and etc., etc. Yes, yes, it ticks that box. Does it engage? Does it fuel a passion for learning? Does it fuel an enjoyment of the game for young players? Absolutely not. And I really thought that was a great point by David, who is... You know, if you look at his, his social media, if you look at his pathway, he is he is a true student of a possession-based game, but that's just not as easy as showing up and and doing, you know, four v four plus three and using all the terminology in the world to try and get those tactics across. No, the first things first is teaching or facilitating. He was very careful with his language. He he, he stepped away from teaching, stepped away from the word coaching, and and you can see he's more of a facilitator how those players learn or develop the habit of working, competing, doing all the things that you need that will fuel the desire to learn and the desire to get those points across both from in games and in training sessions. And, and I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So for, for me, the takeaway, if I was taking a U12 team in uh, for pre-season or a U10 team for pre-season that Yes, we want to get to that type of football. Yes, we want to implement it. But at the same time, the basics and the and the foundation of that system is different from what Pep Guardiola goes in on YouTube and you see what he has to work with. And there are some gimmies there. That gimme is the passion. That gimme is the com- competition level. And I think now when we're in coaching at the youth levels that these things that used to be almost given in society that were the ability to compete, the ability to go through adversity. I think now we have to start being a little bit more intentional about delivering those in our environments in a safe way, of course. Uh, But the game can do that. As David said, you know, the game is going to have a winner and a loser and making training competitive and making young players aware of the challenges of it every day, I think was brilliant. So, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Like I said, I don't work in youth football, but I'm always fascinated to see what's coming through, what ideas are being implemented, how we're improving the experience for young players. Uh, so for, for coaches who are working at that level, please let me know what you thought. Let me know other aspects that we could talk about on the podcast, other people that we could get on who, are, who can add value to the conversation for sure. So always, always, we'd love to hear your thoughts at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I will see you very soon. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, 
sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kerneen on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.